millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome to the Wood Talk Weekend Show. It's time to unbutton those pants, crack open a fresh grape soda, and let the soothing sounds of Mark, Shannon, and Matt caress your ear holes. Little known fact is that Matt's pants were already unbuttoned well before this show. Oh yeah, definitely. He doesn't wait for the weekend show for that. I got my own slap sink under here. That's right. I'm surprised he put pants on. Yeah, seriously. All right, Wood we'll Talk, Just number, th- <laughs> number 388 for June 9th, 2017. It's a weekend show. Happy weekend, everybody. Hooray. Woo-hoo. All right. Uh, so we have a question here. Oh, there's no name. Shannon, you don't know who this was? You copied the question, but you didn't put any names. Don't know. Right, it was it, by someone. If you find it, let me know. Someone wrote in and said, try to contain William. your excitement. William, William wrote in and said, try to contain your excitement as I present you your 10,000th wood movement question. <laughs> I'd seen several people make small tabletops by veneering relatively thick strips, quarter inch to half inch of wood to plywood or particle board, in effect, flipping the bird to conventional wisdom about wood expanding and failing later. I can see this working on thinner stock, but I wondered if there was a magic number of thickness that should probably be considered the threshold for such an application. Would species make a difference? Uh, Here's a link to a video as an example. And... He even says he doesn't want to throw this person under the bus, and I I don't think we will either. Just understand that he basically did sort of like a herringbone pattern on a stable substrate with a frame around it. Does that sum it up pretty well? You guys, you guys did look at the video, I assume. I didn't look at it. You slacker! (laughs) You're off the show. Why don't you just go home? You're useless. Yeah, go. go I am home. Oh, you're already home. Never mind. Bring her in. Go to the other room. Okay. Get out of here. Uh, so we, you know, we talk about this stuff all the time. We will discuss this one specific, uh, example, but I thought it would also be fun for us to talk about some of our wood movement learning lessons, like lessons learned from the past, uh, mistakes maybe where we actually did disregard those rules and things worked out or they did not work out. So, um, that should be kind of interesting. So to answer his question specifically, do you guys have a number in your head that sort of instinctively, whether it's based on actual like testing and knowledge or not, is there a thickness? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I know you didn't test it. I'm just, you know, <laughs> really allowing for the possibility that someone might have. What's the thickness, the, the, the thickest you're willing to go if you're putting something down onto a substrate, a stable substrate. Hmm. I definitely wouldn't go any more than a quarter inch, but I tend to think that might be a bit too much too. Yeah. I go for an eighth. Eighth is like, to me, anything over an eighth makes me nervous. 
And honestly, Whoa. that's from that's just what was passed down to me by paying attention to David Marks. Yeah, well, I mean, thinking in terms of like bent laminations, you know, the the thicker the lamination, the you know, the less it's going to bend, the more it may possibly delaminate on you mm-hmm. because it's got enough oomph of its own yeah. to to straighten itself back out. Um, so yeah, I mean, in generally they say an eighth inch or thinner for bent lamb. Um, so that using that same logic, if it's not strong enough to delaminate itself, then probably would be okay to, to flex. Um, well, actually it's not flexing because you're, if you're putting it on a stable substrate, then yeah, I think an eighth of inch I'll, I'll, I'll be, um, I'll be risky and go to three sixteenths. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is one of those things where, you, I mean, it could vary by species. It, of course, varies by conditions. Maybe even the adhesive could play a role in this, how well the adhesive holds those pieces there and maybe prevents that movement when the wood says, I want to move, and the glue says, no, thank you. You know, but I, I don't know exactly what that breaking point is. But I agree, anything from a quarter inch to a half inch does sound risky to me. Like there could very well be some kind of a buckling that occurs uh, yeah. when you surround that thing with a frame. I'm thinking with the glue, if you have something less rigid, it might be in your favor because it might allow some slippage between the substrate and the mm-hmm. solid wood as it expands. You know, conjecture. But but then you got a frame around that that isn't right. You know, well, that, then did, you that didn't the get the memo. Busting open, I guess. Yeah. So you allow well, the, allow the panel to move, but the frame saying nope. I mean, and that, and that's just it. Like if you if you don't wrap it, then who cares? You know, I mean, technically. If you glued a whole bunch of little pieces onto the thing, technically, if they still have enough room to expand outward, you should be okay. Um, and that's where that glue, what are we calling that? Elasticity? I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seepage comes from. But I often wonder, like in this case, when you've got a bunch of herringbone, if you've got a bunch of small little pieces, and again, wood movement is a percentage game. So if you've got a really small piece to begin with, and the movement, the resulting movement is is very little, um, you know, I would think the glue would be able to hold it in check because you get a certain point where it just moves so much and the elasticity of the wood is just like, screw this, I'm done. And it gives up, yeah. you know? Um, so I think, I don't know. The, the, if you do like a bunch of different pieces put together in like a jigsaw puzzle, a herringbone, I think you might be better off than like, you know, a big old slab, a quarter inch thick, 36 inch wide. Yeah, you know, because when Matt's so. out there slabberdang, <laughs> and he ends up with that little quarter inch piece left over yeah oh man yeah i have a few of those i'm using them as uh roofs now for uh drying lumber because they're like this Whoosh. oh nice Big, like half moon shape yeah so the it's water perfect. just kind of drips right off them oh yeah it's like <laughs> the, the cupping on that is like six seven eight inches that's crazy on a 36 inch wide piece that's maybe a half inch thick something right. like that and it happens visibly like you set it down on the ground. And by the time you get like the log <laughs> carriage, by the time you get the saw back to the beginning, they've already curved on you. Yeah, that's why you don't cut stuff that thin because it's really hard to dry <laughs> flat. Yeah. No kidding. Jeez. All right. So speaking in terms of like our projects, anything from your history that stands out as a good wood movement lesson or something that kind of breaks the rules that, that didn't actually fail on you. For me, I actually have the, this in a video. It's uh, the Humble Pie video that I did years and years ago uh, where I show a chessboard I made that was just solid wood, alternating maple and walnut that was surrounded with a frame. And I said, screw them rules. I don't need them rules. And then the thing just kind of 
exploded at some point and busted through the frame. The miters open completely. Every, it just was like it was shot beyond repair at that point. So uh, that was a, a painful lesson. Uh, I built a serving tray, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, I guess, that <clears throat> had a, a granite tile inlaid into the center of it. And it was bound by uh, a frame uh, that was all box jointed together. And the <laughs> solid panel frame with the inlay in the middle and then completely wrapped in the, the outer thing. And it, it's fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. It was actually, it was actually, and from a design perspective, again, what was I thinking? Cause the panel, the bottom panel is a full three quarter inch thick. Um, the tile is only a quarter inch. So I guess I was thinking I wanted an extra half inch below the tile for, I don't know, something heavy put in the serving tray. I mean, mm -hmm. if you put the, the tray was only like maybe 20 inches long and 15 wide. So you really couldn't put anything heavy in it in the first place. But yeah, it's a full three quarter inch thick panel that is completely wrapped in a, a walnut um, exterior. <laughs> and uh, my mom uses it like every single day. <laughs> nice. Can't beat that. <laughs> <laughs> it has yet to explode. Breaking the rules. I, I um I I thank Colorado for that. The, right. the dry air. I it's think that's the only dry. reason that it has that it has stayed yeah. the way it has. Send it back to Baltimore. See what happens. Actually, <laughs> that's probably that's probably it because I was building it here in the humidity, and I sent it to her for her birthday. So that was October. So you know we were still relatively high humidity. So that's exactly what it is. It shrank. I'm just lucky it didn't fall out of the grooves. The grooves I think were only <laughs> yeah. a quarter inch deep. Right. Yeah. So it shrank enough. Gave itself plenty of room for yeah. any expansion it's going to have here. That's why it didn't explode. Oh. Hey, I knew what I was doing. You solved the problem, baby. <laughs> nice. What about you, Matt? Um, I don't, I can't think of any examples where like I have deliberately went against the woodwoman rules. I think I came up in an interesting time in woodworking where like that was a very early thing that I learned or I had heard about. So mm -hmm. like, your little humble pie video. I was like one of those, I don't know what year that was when you did that, but it was, it must've been when I was just getting started or like not that far into it yet. Or like, maybe I was still working with plywood and then I saw that, whatever. But once I started working with solid wood and kind of moving into that realm, I started making projects in all solid wood just to kind of work through that thought experiment of how do I build these things in solid wood take into account those wood movement things mm -hmm. because you know before that it was like you know plywood mixing like edge banding plywood or putting um i guess it's edge banding you know thick homemade edge banding or whatever on plywood for that kind of stuff plywood carcasses and um you know maybe solid wood doors or frame panel doors or something like that so nothing super complicated but then like you're like well let me do like a bookcase with you know drawers and a frame and panel back and you know, it's like everything is solid wood. That's the really good, uh, experiment or process to go through. Cause it kind of opens your eyes to like the way to build these things, the way that things have been built for a long time, mm -hmm. kind of takes those things to account. And it's just, you look at one piece of furniture and you look at another one or like different kinds of styles or different kinds of construction methods. And you still, you see those exact same construction techniques because they're all there to allow for the wood movement. Mm -hmm. so it's kind of an interesting thought experiment, I guess. So what you're saying is it's because of me that you're such a good woodworker? 
That's that's because, that's what I was taking from that's that. what I it's got. because of you and this great book <laughs> called Hybrid Woodworking. Yeah, I don't yeah, know if yeah. you've read it. It's uh, pretty decent. I've heard of it. Got a lot of good pictures. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't read it because he had the whole thing ghost written. That's right. I did have that opportunity, by the way. Did you know that? It was written by Matt Vanderlist. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think you did tell me that. They offered to ghost write it yeah, for you. Yeah, because I was dragging my feet getting started. <laughs> Cause I needed, I had like had a bunch. It wasn't of as a favor. In other words, it was like, dang it, Mark. Like, yeah, you're, we're missing our schedule here. If you're not going to do this, someone else will. It's like, okay, yeah. fine. Shut up. It's I'll write ghost, it. Ghostwriter threat, not ghostwriter. Favor. It really was a threat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome stuff. Well, Matt brings up a point about looking at like historical evidence, you know, cause there was lots of veneer done in, in the, um, early 19th century, late 19th century. And a lot of that was veneered over solid wood. You know, some people went so far as to make their own shop made plywood, but a lot of times it was veneered over solid wood. And the reason for that was not, you know, stability. It was stretching a beautiful piece of wood. Mm-hmm. Um, so if if your goal is to stretch out a beautiful figure piece of something like that, you want it sliced thinner. You know, why would you waste that wood and put a half inch thick piece down on top of it? So I, I'm beginning to question, like, why would you why would you even push the boundaries here? Because it just ends up making it harder to work with if you're putting a, a veneer over top of something else that's a half inch thick. That's a lot more work than being able to like you know flex a, an eighth inch uh, thick piece down and hammer veneer it in place or vacuum press it into place. So you're doing yourself a, a disservice, I think, by you know forget about wood movement. It's just a heck of a lot harder to do it with a thicker board on top. Mm, could be. Well, there you go. This is a good thing for uh, you guys to give us some feedback on any, in particular, what I'd like to hear is the stories of things where you broke the rules and you did not have a problem. Like everything just worked out fine. I find that to be uh, very interesting. When I, um, I like the stories where people like wake up in the middle of the night to explosions. Those are my favorite. Yeah. They hear like a crack. Boom. Oh, that's my, uh, that's my farmhouse table. I built (laughs) with my, uh, my breadboard and ends that are pocket screwed on. It went through the floor because it was so heavy. (laughs) Right. I, I just want you guys to send us stories about how Mark Spagnuolo has made you a better woodworker. Yeah, that's good. Let's do that. <laughs> that's a, that's a I really, love how quickly you're on board with this. That's a fine idea, <laughs> Shannon. I could go. Why, I could, thank you. I could go for some of that. Okay. Well, whatever you want to tell us, you oh, can, uh, you know, write us, send us a voice memo, something like that. Write and, us a uh, book. Yeah. Write us a book or go have someone ghost write an email to us. I think that'd be good. Yeah. Hybrid woodworking <laughs> and me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a wonderful weekend, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Have a good weekend. <laughs>